Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. On today's episode, we are doing a Friday night special with the upcoming big tournament. Starting on Sunday, we're talking about a different type of football. The 2022 FIFA World Cup is upon us. I don't know much about soccer, so I was thankful to have my brother Jackson Sparrow on to give us some insight on the upcoming footy tournament. Uh, We'll hear all of his thoughts on the USA, the groups, um, some best bets to win the tournament, and other fun props all around the action in Qatar. So I will waste no more time. We'll get straight into the interview. Enjoy and have a great weekend. All right, everybody, we've got our soccer specialist on the pod for the very first time, my pledge brother, Jackson Sparrow. Thanks for coming on and talking about the World Cup, Jackson. Thank you for having me. Uh, big fan of the Hummish tailgate party. And uh, first uh, first time caller, long time listener. So very <laughs> excited, it. to say the least. Before we jump into everything coming up over the next few weeks, uh, Jackson writes a little bit about soccer himself. So where can the people find your work when you release your your writings? Yeah, I write for a Liverpool specific site called rushthecop.com. I haven't written in a few now taking a little bit of time off but uh yeah you can find my thoughts on the liverpool side and uh you know english soccer over there we'll tag your social and everything so people can see that when it comes out um but yes you'll never walk alone this is a liverpool podcast of course yes sir Uh, (laughs) all right so kind of big picture we're going to quickly hit on the off the field stuff because if you've been living under a rock and haven't heard there is a lot of uh, off the field issues with hosting this tournament in Qatar. And then the majority of the podcast will be about the actual on the field soccer. Um, But with how much there is off the field, we couldn't really avoid this. First of all, this is the U.S.'s first World Cup since 2014. We were, I think, in like junior year of high school. So it's nice to have the mm-hmm. hometown boys back in the big tournament. It certainly makes it a lot more fun to watch when you have that patriotic rooting interest in everything. Um, but Qatar, so... Um, If you haven't heard this term sports washing, you probably will a lot over the next few weeks. That is basically when a country that has, to put it politely, questionable, uh, political, or just, you know, any type of regime that is not necessarily the best for the citizens living in that country. um, But they try to just put on a big, like, smiley face when they have some big worldwide event hosting in their country um, or that they're hosting in their country and try to make everything look normal and beautiful and fine to make it look like the rest of the world when that's not necessarily the case. Um, It's sad that we even have to bring up this comparison, but I think it's the most famous one and a fair one at this point, the 1936 Hitler Berlin Olympics, when it was before everybody realized the direction that Germany was really going. They did a great job at hosting the Olympics um, and did a great job at hiding everything that was going on uh, with a lot of their citizens um, while the rest of the world was looking at them for three or four weeks. And then a few few years later, everyone found out really quick um, what was happening kind of beneath the table there in Germany. So unfortunately, Qatar is a similar situation right now, even though with social media and the internet and everything, it's not as much of a secret as uh, Germany was. <clears throat> Already rambling, I swore I wasn't going to give a history lesson, but Qatar, <laughs> tiny little country. If you haven't seen it on a map, it's like 20% smaller than Connecticut, and their population is not even 3 million. It's about the same as the state of Mississippi. So super small. Most of it is in uh, their capital city, which their name is escaping me. I forgot to write it down. Where most I think it's Doha. Doha, yes. Yeah. Where most or maybe all of the games are going to take place. They're the first Arab country to ever host the World Cup. Um, everybody was really surprised when they got this World Cup bid. They decide these things about a decade in advance, who's going to host down the road. So you have time to plan for it in developing countries, situations like time to build stadiums and infrastructure to support it. 
And they got this tournament over the USA, Japan, South Korea, and Australia, all which I think we can all agree seemed a lot more capable of hosting this big of an event where for most World Cups, I read that you have like a million visitors coming into your country and Qatar only has three million permanent residents to begin with. So that's a lot bigger of a swell than when the World Cup comes to America next year and you'll barely even be able to notice it. In most of these mm-hmm. big cities, um, everyone was surprised that Qatar got it for a lot of reasons. One is the fact that the World Cup is always, until now, held in the summer, and Qatar is in the middle of the desert, and it gets up to 120, 130 degrees there. Uh, Qatar said that they would build stadiums that were air-conditioned, and I actually read collapsible so that they could apparently move them to other countries, which I had not heard that one until this morning. Yeah. So that was fascinating. Um, spoiler alert, didn't happen with the collapsible stadiums. Um, I'm a civil engineer, not that great of one, but I don't really, I don't see how that the collapsible thing checks out. Now we know that the kind of the big juicy part of all of this is that a dozen or so FIFA board members, including the president at the time, have been suspended ever since Qatar got this bid for allegations of taking bribes to vote for Qatar to be the host. So Qatar wanted this because of sports washing to paint a picture to the rest of the world that they were this lovely country. So they got the World Cup there. And if they hadn't bribed all the FIFA officials, they would not have gotten it. Um, but the officials received, I assume, large forms of pavement, payment, whatever else that got them to vote for Qatar. Um, and then lastly, there is a lot of human rights issues. That's probably the biggest reason why everyone was really just shocked that Qatar got this. Um, I could do a whole podcast on this alone, but they have... <laughs> Migrant workers that have helped build these stadiums and infrastructure and hotels and everything to be able to host this tournament in the first place. And I've read estimates that about 6,500 of them have died because of awful work conditions and a lot of workers, unfortunately, just reaching a suicidal point of existence because their life is essentially they're essentially slaves over there that they bring in from different countries to build their big, shiny stadiums and roads and hotels and everything for this tournament. So there was a lot of bloodshed before this tournament has even started. I mean, 6,500, according to some estimates. Um, Homosexuality is illegal over there. You can go to prison for that. Um, You might have read a little bit more about their women's or lack of women's rights than I did um, Mm -hmm. today. But, you know, normally if gay people can't exist peacefully, then women are right there next to them with basically no rights and uh on a lesser note today this morning they just announced that they're not even selling beer in the stadiums uh which caused a stir as well so i'll in my rambling any more thoughts on anything i i skipped over i mean you pretty much nailed it right there with that uh that explanation i mean it's to put it lightly this world cup is a disaster and it's a shame that qatar got it Obviously, FIFA is, in a, is a corrupt organization. Um, we've known that for years. And then, uh, like you said, when they got the bid in 2010, I believe it was, uh, FIFA actually did something they had never done before where they gave out two bids at the same time. And they gave out the 2018 World Cup bid and 2022. And 2018 was obviously given to Russia. And then 2022 was given to Qatar. So two pretty... Um, not so great places. Yeah, hell of a one-two bids. punch right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't. I can't imagine what it was like in that uh that conference room when they they announced those two places over, like you said, USA, Japan, Australia, you know, wherever else. Uh, South Korea, definitely places, uh, places that could yeah. host this tournament without having to build all this brand new infrastructure that's going to sit there and then just rot away like we've seen in Brazil and South Africa. And that's a whole nother podcast. So we won't have to dive into that, but I mean, really interesting, sad, but interesting stuff. Um, Yeah. With all that. So unfortunately, like Jackson said, this is going to be a bit of a mess. Um, How big of a mess we'll find out in the coming weeks, because there's already been a lot of lives lost um, for the for this tournament to take place in this country um, and we'll move on it feels weird to like 
go from that into like, what do you think about the USA? But I mean, it's <laughs> you can't talk about this tournament without talking about the real world, you know, implications on mm-hmm. thousands of people's lives lost. Um, but this is a sports podcast, not a news podcast. So we'll turn the page. We'll um, try and move on. Yep. Yeah. So to get to the soccer part of things, um, Jackson, if we could just start off by looking at USA. Like I said, we missed the 2018 World Cup in Russia, which was really disappointing to everybody involved with this team, um, you know, players, coaches, fans. And I think that there is, from what I can tell, looks like there's some optimism for this young generation that we have coming up. But if you could just kind of give us a brief little synopsis on the roster, the coach, just kind of general feel and outlook and where this team is at since it's been so long, um, since a lot of casual soccer fans have really spent a lot of time with Team USA. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it's been eight and a half years, normally be eight years, but uh, thanks to Qatar, we had to wait an extra six months. Um, so yeah, eight and a half years since the U.S. team has been in the big dance uh, which is way too long for a country of this size to be waiting. Um, but yeah, like you said, the team is super young, super talented. Um, you know, we got a bunch of big name players playing overseas at big time clubs. We have a Champions League winner um, on the team in Christian Pulisic. And for those not familiar with the Champions League, it's the highest trophy, the best uh, competition you can win on the club level. He won that with Chelsea a couple years back. So big props to that. Um, But yeah, second youngest team in the tournament with just over 25 years of age, average age um, behind Ghana, who I think is the youngest. Uh, But yeah, to break down the team, I mean, it was a anything too crazy in the selection. And that's obviously one of the big uh, talking points before the tournament starts is the roster selection. And uh, we were given 26 players to select uh, to the World Cup team this this time around. Usually, I think it's 23 or 24. So we were given a few extra slots because of oh. you know just cramped seasons. I mean, the international soccer world's been you know struggling to catch up ever since the COVID break. Um, you know, as with most sports, and you know, honestly, the whole world. But you know, everything's been kind of crammed together. Off seasons have been shortened, so they gave us a few extra spots and. Uh, this, this World Cup will have five subs available, which normally you'd only get three subs. Uh, but, yeah, to break down the team real quick, uh, I'm just kind of going to go list the starters or who I expect we'll see starting, um, starting with Matt Turner in goal, who actually has a really great story. He didn't start playing the sport of soccer till he was 16. Wow. And he picked it up in, so- or in high school. Um, he's a goalkeeper, like I said. He uh, he actually made Sports Center not top ten plays, I believe, in I think it was like a sophomore or a junior year in college for like a terrible own goal he gave up. Like some kid hit a rocket from like thirty yards out, hits the crossbar, goes straight up, and it would looked like an easy catch. He just fumbled it into his own goal, made Sports Center not top ten. But love uh, a good comeback know. story. Yeah, exactly. Road <laughs> to redemption for him. He's looking like he's going to be the starter. He should be the starter in Qatar for the U.S. men's national team. And he just signed with Arsenal um, the past transfer window. He's not the starter at Arsenal, an Arsenal big club in, in England. Uh, he's the number two, but, you know, definitely uh, getting his name out there and, uh, you know, well-deserved for sure. And then in the back line, uh, I won't go over all the players, but, you know, Serginho Dest, should be starting at right back. He plays for AC Milan. Um, you know, another we have a there's a bunch of players on this team that weren't necessarily born in the US but have some connection to America in one way or another. And so they're able to play for us in international competitions. And he's one of those. I think he was born in Netherlands, I believe. Yep. Oh, so Serginho Dest, yeah, playing right back, uh, AC Milan's his club. And then center backs should be Mainstay center back will be Walker Zimmerman, who plays for Nashville SC in the MLS. He's from Lawrenceville, Georgia, actually. Shout out uh, my Georgia boys right there. He's a beast. He definitely should be the mainstay for the, in uh, center back for the tournament for uh, U.S. team. And then the other, his other center back partner is kind of a toss-up between 
Cameron Carter Vickers, who plays for Celtic in Scotland, which is a you know big club. They're not you know as big as some of the other ones, but definitely well known club. Um, he's been captain. He's been captaining them for a little bit, which is a big feat. And then um, another center back that I s- expect will get to start. Um, you know, some games, if not all the games, is Tim Ream who is the – they called him the grandfather of the of the team. He's only like 35, which I guess is, is pretty old. Um, but Tim Ream, he's the captain of Fulham, who plays in the English Premier League. He's been the captain there for a little bit, and uh, he's been kind of out of the U.S. mix for a while for various reasons. Um, but he's definitely playing incredible this season and a well-deserved call, call back to the squad. Um, and then is the left back is his uh, teammate at Fulham, Anthony Robinson, who is one of my favorite players on the on the team. He's kind of he's got like a weird running style and playing style. You never quite know what he's what he's up to or what he's going to do. Um, very unique player, but you know he bombs forward and gives offers a lot in attack um, from you know from the left back position and uh, definitely a name to keep. Uh, keep on your mind because he's, he's also having a great uh, season so far. And then um, moving into the midfield and this midfield is, it's pretty loaded or at least oh, it's pretty loaded in my opinion. Definitely the starting three are loaded. Um, and the most important player for the U S team is Tyler Adams who plays for Leeds United in the Premier league. Um, Tyler Adams, the CDM or center defensive mid, kind of will sit back and protect the uh, center backs and look to transition the play up the field from, uh, you know, back back to front, kind of the connector, if you will. Um, and then sitting above him, we're looking at Weston McKinney, who another – I mean, all these guys are young, so – except for Tim Ream, but all these guys are young. Uh, Weston McKinney plays for Juventus, massive club in Italy. I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, he's – He's fun. He's he's great in the air. I expect him to score, hopefully, a couple set-piece goals with his head. Um, you know, that's what he does for Juventus. He's done it for the U.S. national team, a big set-piece threat. And, you know, just a playmaker in the midfield, kind of – I don't know, he's crafty, shifty. Um, but he's a big Harry Potter fan, so if he does score, you'll see him whip out an imaginary wand and cast some spells on the crowd. So hopefully we get to see that in Qatar. Right. One goal yeah. to Gryffindor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the last piece of the midfield, who is definitely my favorite player on the team, is Eunice Musa. Eunice Musa. Um, kind of weird story. He's not quite sure his American ties, but except for out of this, um, he his parents had him when they were on vacation in like Brooklyn, New York. So he was born in the States, but I don't think his parents have any ties uh, to the States. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but I know he was born in the States on vacation. Um, But yeah, he's definitely my favorite player on the team. Uh, He's only 19 years old. He's killing it in Spain for um, Valencia, I believe. Really great player, dribbling, strong, prolific. He's he'll skate through lines like no other connect play back to front. Um, Just really exciting exciting player definitely my favorite player on the team and then moving up top to the forwards um there's definitely some interesting names that were called up here and some big names that were left off um like a few a a name that was left off that probably should have been brought was ricardo pepe um but we won't go too much into him because he's not on the squad but looking at the forwards we have jesus ferreira uh mls player fc dallas he plays for um, had a great MLS season, scored a bunch of goals. So it's understandable why he was brought. Um, and then the other number nines that are kind of for, for, with Ferreira for the starting spot is uh, Josh Sargent, who's from Missouri. He's a good old Midwestern boy. He plays. He kind of has had an up-and-down career since moving over to Europe. Uh, he moved over originally to uh, Bundesliga German side. Um, and didn't really pan out there, but now he's in the second division in England playing for Norwich City, and he's having a pretty good go of things this season, which is big. Obviously, you want your your players playing as 
well as possible heading into a major tournament. Um, so Josh Sargent. And then the last number nine is Haji Wright, who not many people know of him. He was kind of like a youth national team legend, folklore. Um, I, I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but I think from like U.S. youth, like U17 to like U20-ish, he had like 40 appearances with 30 goals, which is just crazy amount of return. Um, and he never – his club career hasn't panned out exactly the way, you know, everyone thought. Um, he's playing in Turkey right now, and he's probably having the best season of all the strikers. Um, he's scoring a bunch of goals over there, so it makes sense why he was called up. But, yeah, definitely not the – hasn't gotten a bunch of game time with the top team. Uh, he got called in for a couple friendlies a few months back. And then the wingers, who are definitely the most exciting players on the team, uh, Christian Pulisic, who I mentioned earlier, Champions League winner with Chelsea. Um, you know, he's, you know, they call him the LeBron James of soccer. So I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, he's he's fun to watch. Shifty uh, winger, great feet. Um, hopefully he has a big tournament because uh, I think the U.S. will go as far as he can really take us. And then Gio Reyna, who plays for Dortmund, his dad, Claudio Reyna, the u.s uh in multiple world cups so he's following his dad's footsteps he's another great winger he's had some injury issues but uh if he stays healthy yeah he's he's great and then uh i'll mention timothy Weah, who i expect to be starting at right wing he his dad george Weah, ballon dior which is basically like player of the year in soccer um he won that uh his dad's from liberia and he also was the president of Liberia for quite some time. So kind of oh. interesting. Yeah, kind of random. But he plays for a French side called Lille. And he's not having the best of seasons. Um, but when he's on, he's incredibly skillful, quick feet, got all the moves, you know, in the world. So if he's clicking, you know, that'll be great for us. Um, and then, yeah, there's some other players we go over, but we'd be here all night. Uh, I guess <laughs> I, I got to mention uh, Brendan Aronson, though. Another big name who, if you watch Premier League soccer, you've probably heard of him. He's team, uh, teammates with um, Tyler Adams at Leeds United, and uh, he's having a great year uh, so far. He's really – him and Tyler have kind of converted that section of England to uh, to American fans, if you will. Um, and they also have an American coach, Jesse Marsh. But, um, yeah, Brendan Aronson, another big uh, playmaker. I don't know if we'll see him in the midfield or the wingers is kind of like wherever you can get them on, we, we need them on. So um, that's kind of an overview, quickish overview of the U S roster and who I expect will be starting. So I've heard you mention how we're the second youngest team in the field and just listening to other podcasts, trying to study up and get ready for this. I've heard some people be like, yeah, well, like the lack of experience could hurt you or even help you in some cases. Like, obviously mm -hmm. it's nice to have a squad that's been on big stages before, but at the same time, people are putting the spin on it. Like maybe we just have like a youthful ignorance thing where we can just play yeah. fast and free and like not get freaked out by the big stage that this is. Cause you have teams like, we'll touch on them later, but like Argentina and like Portugal that have like never gone all the way with their star players. And like, it's mm -hmm. kind of like now or never. So there's definitely a ton of pressure on them going into this. And while the U S I think just for soccer's sake in America and popularity and everything, like it, we definitely need an encouraging outing just to get everybody back on board after missing the last one. But like, there's not, that same amount of pressure as if it's like, okay, the squad, like this is their third or fourth time with this core. Like it's time to do it now. We can just kind of go in with not many expectations and just, you know, leave it all on the table and let the chips fall where they may. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree. It's kind of, um, I mean, young recklessness, you don't know any better. So might as well go out swinging and see what happens. And not to look too far ahead, but in 2026, when the World Cup's in the States, um, you know, a lot of these players will be mid to late 20s and they'll be hopefully in the prime of their careers. So, I mean, this is kind of like a great trial test because I want, you know, we want to go out there and perform um, 
but yeah, there's, there's no experience, but there's also like no expectations really. Um, bunch of young guys that don't know any better. So might as well give it a go and we'll see what happens. And, you know, if we fall on our face, we'll be, we'll come back home in four years and these guys will be, you know, a lot more experienced and uh, ready to go. But yeah, like you said, you said it well, I mean, there's, it's, I heard somebody talking about like, is it pressure or privilege? And it's like pressure is a privilege. So see how it goes, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't put too much expectations on them. Obviously, we want to get out of the group, and I expect we will. But, um, yeah, just such a young and experienced but very talented group. So it'll, it will be interesting to see. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do. And there's a bunch of the our top players haven't been on the field together ever. Um, so whether for injuries, suspensions, or whatever – so hopefully, you know, at least one game or two games this uh, tournament, we get to see our top 11, uh, you know, on the field together and seeing what we uh, we really look like when everyone's out there. So last question on the USA, then we'll move on to looking at each group quickly. Um, but, you know, obviously every team, your goal is to win the trophy, but like realistically, what would you see as a successful outing and what would you consider a failure for this squad? Um, I think a failure. That's it's a tough one. I mean, I, I'll go with successful, successful outing has to be getting out of this group. I mean, we're with England who's, you know, a, you know, a heavyweight, a blue blood, um, tournament favorites. Um, and then we're with Wales who the U.S. and Wales are kind of a coin flip to get out. And, you know, a lot of people are comparing this Wales team to a Premier League side. There's a lot of quality in there. They have a lot of pace, especially on the counterattack. They defend well. They'll sit in, absorb pressure, and look to counter. Um, but I think that might be giving them a little too much credit. I, I would put the U.S. above Wales. Um, so I would say success is to get out of the group into the round of 16. I guess so that means a failure not getting out of the group, which is a bit harsh. I mean, I guess a true failure is, you know, picking up only a point or two in the group and, you know, finishing dead last or third or whatever on that, on that uh, point tally. Um, and the other last team in the group I, did, I didn't mention is Iran, who um, they have plenty of experience. They might not have the quality of USA, Wales and England, but, plenty of experience. I think this is their third straight world cup they've made. Um, they do have some big names playing at uh, big clubs around Europe. So it's, it's, it's a tricky group. And if you look at the FIFA world rankings, which you can't put too much stock in the world rankings, because there's so many coefficients, coefficients that go into those rankings. Um, this is the hardest group based on those rankings. Um, but yeah, I, I would say success getting out of the group major success getting to the quarterfinals so yeah all right that's about what i was expecting to just get out of the group have some good momentum going to the next one and quickly mm -hmm. so the usa schedule is we start off on monday at one o'clock central time against wales then we play England. I guess all of our games are at one o'clock central. We mm -hmm. play England on Black Friday. That'll be nice because everyone has the day off and not trying to watch it in the middle of the workday. And then we finish up game three in Group B against Iran um, on Tuesday, the 29th after Thanksgiving weekend. Um, before we get into the groups, I just wanted to ask like super quickly, what happened to Italy? Dude, it was... they. It's crazy because they won Euro 2020, which is, you know, the European competition, uh, a major tournament over there. Um, so they won that 2020, which was actually played in 2021 um, against England in the finals and then just failed to qualify. They got dropped into um, a playoff where they had to beat North Macedonia and then they would have go on to play Portugal and they lost to North Macedonia crazy upset off like a crazy long shot in the 90 something minute you know basically the last kick of the game shocking defeat and um yeah didn't qualify which is shocking but 
there's definitely been teams in the past, like big names that have failed to qualify, um, especially coming out of um, like South, South America, big names have failed to qualify, which is probably the hardest region to qualify from. And then obviously Europe where Italy is um, Netherlands didn't qualify for the last world cup. They're in this one, but you know, it's not super uncommon for these big names to trip up in world cup qualifying. Uh, but yeah, England or Italy is the latest to do so. Pretty shocking. Yeah, losing yeah, to North I Macedonia. Just, I was just curious. I noticed looking at all the odds and the heavyweights that are favored yeah. to go far and, you know, win the tournament. And they were a big name that was obviously absent. So I just curious yeah, about champion, that. Champions of Europe aren't in the World Cup. Just doesn't, doesn't Yeah, and especially with right. the recency of the Euro last summer. It's just, yeah, it's literally bizarre, a year ago. But yeah. All right, let's move on to the group stages. We'll go through these kind of quickly. Um, just one trend that I noticed when I was writing down the odds for everybody um, to advance out of the group was, and I know they have it set up like this. I watched the drawing and everything um, when they released the groups, but you generally have one very heavyweight in every group that is basically a lock to advance and then you have a couple teams that are more or less coin flips like you mentioned the usa and wales are right around like usa Mm -hmm. minus 105 to get out of the group and wales plus 100 so just coin flip 50 50 yes and then you have the fourth team which is a longer shot some of the fourth teams you know odds like plus 350 like Qatar and Iran and everything and then some of them are like very long shots like probably not even expected to get more than a point or so so just yeah. kind of notice that trend going you know through the groups and everything but group A and oh, sorry yeah, that's that's set up because of the uh, FIFA rankings like I was saying they do they take like groups I guess and then obviously the confederations like Europe the it's called UEFA they have uh, more weight to them because they play tougher competition compared to like CONCACAF, whereas the U S comes out of and Asia, um, you know, lesser, lesser points. So yeah, that's kind of how it's set up, which explains it. But so group a, we've got the Netherlands, which are the basically lock to advance Senegal, Senegal, which I know Mane, that's been the big, big news this yep. week. Um, unfortunately, the former Liverpool players missing missing the tournament. And then Ecuador, plus 100. So them and Senegal are basically coin flip to get out. Although these odds I wrote down before the Mane news, so that might have mm-hmm. changed. I'm sure it has a little bit. And then the host country, Qatar, at plus 350 to advance. Who do you like out of those four teams to get out of the group? What are your, your feelings? Uh. Netherlands for sure to top the group, especially with the Mane news coming in last couple of days. Um, and then, like you said, it's kind of coin flip between Ecuador and Senegal. I like Senegal to still get through. I think this is the best uh, African team probably of our generation. Really solid African team, very deep. Um, bunch of big time players. Uh, obviously, they're missing the key man, Mane, who if Mane was playing, I probably would have had them making a run. They're definitely a dark horse favorite, but Mane's out for the tournament, so that that hurts their chances. Um, Qatar, Ecuador, it's whatever. I kind of do think Qatar might surprise uh, Ecuador game one on Sunday, just because all their players play for you know a handful of clubs in Qatar. So the chemistry's there. It's easier to get training sessions when all the players are so close together. You can drill you know, tactics and strategy in more so than like a Brazil and Argentina where players are having to spend a day of travel for international breaks, you know. Um, so I don't think I, – I like uh, Netherlands to top, and, I yeah, I like Senegal to get out too. Group B, we already pretty much hit on England, USA, Wales, and Iran. Who do you like coming out of there? I like England to top it, um, unfortunately. But uh, USA definitely getting out in second, and Wales third, and that leaves Iran in fourth. Um, yeah, I mean, the big thing with this group um, is obviously game one, USA-Wales. That is kind of like the do or die. And the big thing is with World Cups is game one kind of sets the tempo for you know how you fare in it. Um, this is obviously a big one because 
you know, like we've mentioned, they're Wales in the U.S. are a toss-up. So whoever wins this or loses this, that's probably their tournament done right there. You know, the big thing is for the U.S. just not to give Wales three points off the rip. A point, a point apiece. We take a draw by you know we play the rest of the two matches out. and We'll see what happens. But the big thing is not to uh, to suffer defeat because that uh, that's kind of the writing on the wall for the U.S. And uh, yeah, I kind of hit on Iran, veteran team. I think they'll be the whipping boys though. And England, solid team, obviously high high quality team. Uh, but um, I don't know their their coach kind of handicaps them, and they they tend to play a little bit boring, especially lately. They've been uh, pretty lackluster and unimpressive. Um, but yeah, they definitely have the quality to make a run. So. And even I know they always find ways to cough it up in the big tournaments. It's been, I don't know yeah. how long since they actually won exactly. anything, but uh, it's it's kind of the running joke on Twitter. Whenever they start to make a push, it's how are they going to fuck it up? Not not anyone exactly, really expecting exactly. them to, to lift the trophy. Okay, we've got a minute left in the meeting. I swear that wasn't 45 minutes, so I'm going to yeah. end this one and send you another link, and we'll pick up with Group C in a minute. All right, cool. Sorry. Cool, cool. No, you're good. All right, perfect. Okay, and we're back. Group C, Argentina, the heavy favorites to get out of this group and one of the highest or best odds to win the tournament as a whole. Um, Mexico and Poland are the two coin flips in this group and Saudi Arabia, a plus 600, very long shot to even advance. Yep, so like you said, Argentina, heavy favorites. Uh Leo Messi, the goat, my goat, for sure. Um, hopefully, he gets it done this year. Um, a lot of pressure on him, but they do have an extremely talented team, so I expect them to definitely top the group. Um, and then Mexico, Poland, like you said, coin flip. Uh, I like Poland. I think they offer. I think it's a much better, or I think it's a better side than Mexico. This Mexican team is a bit weak due to some injuries and the player pool is just kind of down in recent years. Um, so I like Poland in second, Mexico in third. Mexico, I will say, is one of those teams that, um, you know, it just something happens when the, those players put on the national team shirt that they just go up a level and perform, you know, maybe better than expected. Um, I just I don't see it happening this time around. Um also, not the biggest fan of Mexican soccer, so that might be it. And then, yeah, Saudi Arabia, I don't see much happening for them uh, in Group C. So, yeah, like I kind of alluded to earlier in the pod, I don't know if this is official or not, but it's expected that this is the last World Cup for Messi. I think he's like 37 now. Um, he's 35. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's 37. Okay, I got those yeah. mixed up. Um, mm -hmm. But either way, everyone's saying this is the best chance that Messi has to win it. Probably the best Argentina team um, mm -hmm. that he's had in the World Cup. So we'll talk about them, I'm sure, later when we talk about deeper in the tournament. And Mexico, yeah. just a really interesting stat that I saw. They've made it out of the group stage in seven straight World Cups, but have never made it past the round of 16, which is the first yeah. round you get to when you advance from the group. So that's kind of bizarre to make it to the Sweet 16, if you will, seven times in a row, but no further. Um, and Brazil's yeah. the only other team to make it out of the group stage, seven tournaments, the last seven. So, so I yeah, guess say yeah. what you will about Mexicans not being in good form or whatever, but they... Yeah. They've always found a way to get it done. So that'll be really interesting between them and Poland to see who who can get that second spot after Argentina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they they uh, they definitely have a trend of getting out of the group. And yeah, like I said, something when they put on that national team jersey, they just take it up a notch. And uh, I mean, it's a good side, but I think it's definitely one of their weaker teams in recent uh, recent memory. Uh, and Poland's just scrappy, solid defensively. And then Lewandowski who arguably the greatest striker of our generation, one of them at least, for Poland. Um, yeah, hard to bet against him. Tough group for Mexico, but it'll be a coin flip, and I'm, I'm going Poland. Group D, France, the heavy favorite in this one. This one definitely seems a lot more top-heavy. Um, we This is the first one where it's the, two, the second and third team aren't really like right around – 
plus 100, minus 110 odds to get out. France, the lock. And then Denmark is minus 280. Um, and then instead of having another coin flip team, we have, is it Tunisia? Tunisia. Tunisia, sorry. Yeah. Um, at plus 300 and Australia at plus 400. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, definitely top heavy. Um, I don't really see a way Australia or Tunisia get out. Um, I actually like Denmark to top this group. They're super consistent and have been for quite some time. Made the semifinals and uh, Euro Cup uh, last year, Euro 2020. Um, Obviously, this France team is just crazy loaded, super talented. Kylian Mbappe, who's a world superstar should be a household name by now. Uh, youngster, definitely one of the best players in the world. Kareem Benzema, who just won the Ballon d'Or, which is, like I said earlier, um, you know, basically player of the year. He's coming off an incredible year. Uh, France team is just super loaded. They are missing two key players in their midfield in Paul Pogba and N'Golo Conte, who have been a mainstay in their midfield for, you know, years in tournaments. Um, and they really make the midfield tick. They brought in a couple youngsters that play for Real Madrid who are very talented, super young though, and very inexperienced, especially on this stage. And I will say France has a history of self-imploding at World Cups. Um, it seems like there's a bunch of drama that team tends to follow this uh, France team when they get to World Cups or Euro Cups. Um uh, they'll get out. I like Denmark to top and France to come in second and kind of like an upset, uh, somewhat upset pick. But yeah, I mean, France super talented. It wouldn't surprise me if they topped the group at all. So some pretty good odds on that. You can get Denmark around plus 200 to win the group. And I know that's been mm-hmm. bet down from like plus 300. So clearly yeah. a lot of people like that as well. France, you can get runner up at plus 230. So if you like Denmark to win, you may as well just take the better odds with France in second, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And I was reading some really interesting stats about defending champs at the World Cup because France did win in Russia in 2018. And I was pretty shocked to see the hangover effect especially since it's four years removed. It's not like a, you know, like American sports where it's just, you pick it back up the next fall or whatever. Four of the last five defending champs have failed to even get out of the group stage, which is crazy. When you look at the quality of heavyweights that have won in recent memory with France, Germany, Spain, uh, Brazil, I think 20 years ago, Italy and France, they won it at home in 1998 and failed to advance out of the group stage in 2002. Um, Mm -hmm. And nobody has repeated in 60 years since Brazil won in 58 and 62. I I found that interesting, just that these defending champs have so much trouble even getting out of the groups. Um, Yeah, that, Mm -hmm. that was just surprising to read, but really interesting. So um, especially with those couple injuries might not be a super deep run for the French squad this year. Yeah, and real quick, in uh, 2010, when I was talking about them, like, self-imploding, in the 2010 World Cup, they basically had just a blow-up in, I guess, in the squad. Didn't get out of the group. Um, it might have been 2014. But, yeah, basically just drama between teammates and the coaching staff. And, basically, players were leaving mid-tournament. Like, it was a whole ordeal. Um, blew up. And then, you know, Benzema, who's their top striker, like I said, just won the Ballon d'Or. He was a uh, basically like exiled from the team for a few years for um, a sex tape scandal with the next French team. Yeah, he was basically blackmailing his uh, his teammate, his French national teammate, uh, extorting him out of money over a sex tape. I mean, it's a whole ordeal. But yeah, I mean, there's there's always just a lot of baggage with France. So uh, kind of why I picked him to finish second. Yeah. Definitely a, a strong side. <laughs> Keep there. your eyes on them. That's juicy. Yeah. Um, and then I remember, even I remember in 2006, w- what was the Zidane Zidane, the headbutt in the finals? The I had yeah, my last... aunt, I think my aunt went to Italy or something and got me his jersey. And oh, I remember wow. when he when he got the red card in the final for the headbutt. So always some legendary uh, moment. Always some good drama with the French squad, I guess. That's, uh, yeah, keep your eyes on them. Um, all right, Group E. Spain. Okay, this one is the most top heavy out of everything, odds wise. 
Spain and Germany are minus 750 and minus 650 to advance respectively. Um, from what I read, it doesn't seem like these two squads are quite what they might have been in the past when they have both won the World Cup in the past dozen years. Um, and then we have Japan at plus 300, who seems like a really interesting upset candidate. And then Costa Rica, long shot at plus 700 to get out of the group. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you kind of nailed it. Uh, Japan is one of my teams to uh, one of my bets, actually, to qualify. Uh, you can kind of get some good good return on that. Plus 300. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, know, I keep going back and forth, but I like Germany to top it. It's definitely not one of their stronger sides um, that they've had in recent memory. But I like Germany to top the group with Japan coming in second and Spain in third. Um, the Span Spanish team is super young, obviously extremely talented. I think they're the third youngest, you know, right behind Ghana and the U.S. Um, but what's kind of been the M.O. of Spain, especially in the past uh, past couple major tournaments, is they just – it's like death by a million paper cuts where they just pass the ball and they'll, you know, they'll have like 80% 80, 80 procession but just cannot finish. And uh, it's kind of the same story with the squad. The their front, their their attack is kind of lackluster. Um, not really a clinical goal scorer up there. So I think that's kind of what we'll see. I mean, they'll dominate basically, you know, every game outside of in this in this group outside of uh, you know the Germany game where they'll have like you know 70, 60, 80 percent possession, pass the ball ten times more than the other team. But and they kind of lack that killer edge. And I think that's what gets them. But at the same time, wouldn't surprise me to see them get through. They're super talented, just super young, um, inexperienced at this level. But uh, yeah, I like Germany to top and kind of uh, and and uh, Japan to get through in second. Yeah, and I have it written down. I was reading a lot about how good Japan's defense has been and how good mm -hmm. just they've they've just been in great form going into this tournament. So if Spain is very conservative and the Japanese are locking them down. Sometimes all it takes is finding the back of the net once and you could get yourself three exactly. points in a, in a big upset like that. So Japan will be an interesting one to watch out for in those matchups against the traditional giants group F Belgium is the big favorite here. Um, they came in third place in 2018. Um, Croatia is minus 200 to advance. They were the runner up in 2018. Then Morocco is plus 200. Sounds like they're still a really good squad um, in Africa and Canada at plus 275, who I know had an amazing run in CONCACAF qualifying. So in this one, more so than the other groups we've talked about so far, it doesn't seem like there's like one really easy game where you can just chalk up three points and not really have to worry about it. Yeah, Group F is is definitely an interesting in uh, Taiwan. I do. I think Belgium will top, and I think Croatia will come out in second. Um, Canada, Morocco, you know, take your pick. Who's going to finish third and fourth? Um, they're both. They're all really solid and unique teams. Belgium has a bunch of talent, and Kevin De Bruyne, who's probably, you know, arguably the best player in the world incredible midfield player um Croatia Luka Modric who carried them onto that uh semifinal run in 2018 which was historic and just unprecedented um and Canada super fun team to cheer for uh they went on a crazy run and CONCACAF really dominated the CONCACAF which is the USA's uh qualifying region they just fun to watch they're playing games in frozen turf in Canada and snow is pouring down they're scoring goals they have a bunch of talent too. Um, some big name players playing in the French league, and their top player uh, Alfonso Davies playing for Bayern Munich, who's a you know wing back. He'll definitely get forward and contribute offensively. And Morocco, there's been a bunch of drama with the coach over you know the last few years. Who some top like some of their better players uh, for Morocco have decided not to play. He finally got them back on the team. I think they're all back uh, and made the squad. So they've they've dealt with some drama over the last few years. Um, but I like I, I'd go with Belgium, Croatia. I'll go with Canada and Morocco. Just uh, give the Canucks some love. Finishing third. Obviously, they want to get out, but can't ask too much for real. Um, I think this is only their second ever World Cup appearance. Obviously, they'll they'll be in the 2026 because they hosted. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like this is kind of like the the stepping stone for uh, Canada soccer. So I like them in third. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't really remember them being in many of the World yeah. Cups that we've at least been around for. So good for them at least making it. Maybe they can get an upset or two. Group G, the overall favorites to win the tournament. Brazil um, are the locks to advance in this one. Then we have a couple coin flips in Switzerland and Serbia. And Cameroon is the fourth team in Group G. Yeah, this is another really fun group. I, I mean, same with Group H that we're about to talk to or talk about. Um, Brazil, heavy favorites. I like them to win the whole thing. We'll get to that later. But uh, Brazil will top, I think, rather comfortably. Um, and then Serbia, Switzerland, you know, take your pick to – Tough teams, physical teams. Uh, Switzerland has a really good side that's been consistent in tournaments, uh, you know, over the last few few years. Um, and Serbia is just physical. They play well, um, have some really ta- talented forward uh, options that they can choose from. And then Cameroon, uh, I just don't see. They had a good AFCON, the African Cup of Nations. Uh, I believe that was last year. Senegal won it. Um, but I they just don't have it. So I like Cameroon to dead last to finish first. I'm going to go Serbia to finish second above Switzerland, but it's, it's tight for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people like Switzerland to make a run. A lot of people like Serbia to make a run. I'm going Serbia to get out in second. I know Serbia will be a, uh, probably the second favorite team in the mile high city with Jokic coming from there. So oh, yeah, I'm going with them as well. Um, <laughs> finally, last group, group H we have Portugal as the heavy favorites. Like we kind of talked about Ronaldo is 37, probably his last world cup. Um, he could become the first player to score in five men's world cups ever. Um, but Portugal hasn't made it out of the round of 16 in the last three World Cups. So probably a good bit of pressure on that squad to make a deep run uh, for Ronaldo. Uruguay is minus 220 to advance. Um, I know they're a pretty testy squad. Ghana at plus 225 and South Korea at plus 300. Yeah, so this is another interesting one. Um Personally, I like Uruguay to make a run, and I have them going pretty far in my bracket. I, I think they'll top the group. Um, super talented. Valverde, uh, remember the name, a midfielder, winger for Uruguay, plays for Real Madrid. He's having just kind of an incredible two seasons, honestly. Um, really solid Uruguayan team right there. They have Luis Suarez, who famous for fighting and – a whole bunch of other stuff, red cards and handballs and um, Cavani, who's a, a veteran for them leading the front front line, along with Darwin Nunes, who's one of my picks for the Golden Boot, top scorer, plays for Liverpool now. Um, so Uruguay's super talented. I think one of the better Uruguayan teams we've seen in a while. I like Portugal to come in second. Um, you know, on paper, this Portuguese side is probably more talented than Uruguay, but it's kind of a similar situation where England – with England where the uh, the coach kind of handicaps them and kind of limits their uh, potential. Um, so, yeah, Portugal's super talented. I just think the coach might hold them back a little bit. And Ronaldo's great and obviously one of the best players we've ever seen. Uh, he's getting old, though, and you kind of have to cater, his play- cater to his playing style. Um, but, yeah, I like Uruguay, Portugal. I'll go Korea with uh, – son who plays for Tottenham he's a legend he, I think he's he had an eye break or fracture um recently so he'll be in the mask he's uh one of the better players in the world for yeah, in the world but um yeah like Uruguay Portugal Korea and then um the young Ghanaians to round out the group so that's it for the groups um I didn't ask you this before, but is there one group that stands out? I know people love to put the group of death tag on a certain one that's the most compelling or challenging to get out of. Is there one that stands out more than the others? Or, um, I would say it's probably going to be Group E with Spain, Germany, Japan, Costa Rica, or Group H that we just mentioned, uh, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, Korea. Um, 
In Group E, I really see Spain, Germany, Japan. I feel like all three of those could get out. Obviously, two heavyweights in Spain and Germany. And then Group H, um, you know, it's kind of like Portugal is probably the best team on paper. Uruguay is super strong, as I mentioned. In Korea, they've played well in tournaments before. And, um, you know, in Ghana, who has a history of turning up for World Cups, um, they're kind of they've kind of turned us, into, right? Yeah, they kind of turned into uh, USA's kryptonite arrival. Um, I feel like every World Cup we run into Ghana one way or another. And, you know, we've, we've bested them a time or two, but they've uh, they've definitely bested us uh, more times than I like to admit to and uh, knocked us out of, uh, you know, the later rounds of the tournament. So I, I probably would say Group H is definitely the most intriguing to me. All right, so I have not filled out my bracket yet. I was waiting to hear your insights and everything before <laughs> I put pen to paper. But when it comes to, and of course, you know, this has a very like March Madness feel to it, just with the amount of teams and the unpredictability of it all. Um, so obviously, if you finish first in your group and second in your group, then if you finish first in your group, you'd play the second place finisher from another group and vice versa. So there's not like a set in stone order to things, but if what's your final four uh, with how everything shook out in your bracket and who do you like to be in the finals and win it? Yeah. Like you said, uh, who knows if these teams could even meet or whatever, but um, my final four, I like in one semifinal and I really, I'm confident in this because I think they'll both uh, win their groups. And, you know, they'll they'll match up later on in the tournament. But I have Brazil versus Argentina, which would just be an all-time classic matchup. Like a Duke UNC. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Two heavyweights, like, neighbors. You know, I mean, Neymar, Messi, you name it. There's a lot going on there. Um, so I have Brazil-Argentina one semifinal. And then the other semifinal, I'm not super in love with or convinced with. I have Denmark versus Uruguay. Um, very how very heavy on the South Americans, as you can see. Um, Denmark's super consistent. They made the semifinals in Euro 2020. I'm like I said, don't love it. Um, not super sold on it myself, but kind of the way my bracket shakes out is that side of the bracket will be pretty weak in comparison to the uh, Brazil Argentina side. So I could see, uh, you know, Denmark pulling off an upset against – I have them playing like England, I think, in the quarterfinals, upsetting them to get to the semifinals against Uruguay. And, uh, yeah, Uruguay is one of my dark horses to make a run. just think they're super talented. And uh, I don't know who – I mean, don't take it for uh, – don't throw the bank on it. But, yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah, and speaking of a South America heavy uh... – final four i did see that and this isn't really shocking considering just the sheer amount of talent that comes out of europe and how many heavyweights mm -hmm. there are over there but five out of the last six winners have been european with france twice italy spain germany and brazil being the only non-european country to win out of the last six tournaments and i believe theirs came 20 years ago in 2002 um but who do you like in the finals and to lift the trophy yeah so i i think it's brazil's time to get back on uh on top again i have brazil winning it um i really think it comes the winners coming out of that brazil argentina match um my argentine friends are going to be pretty mad at me for going against argentina but yeah i think it's neymar's time and brazil will win it um not really sure who they'll play either denmark or uruguay i guess is what i have but uh yeah, Brazil is super talented, just crazy loaded back to front, uh, a lot of depth there. And, uh, I mean, the same could be said about Argentina. So kind of like I said, whoever wins that match, I believe will go on to win it. I just think it's Neymar's time, and uh, I, I see Brazil lifting the trophy in Qatar. All right, so the Brazilians to win. They're only like, I mean, I wrote down plus 400, but I've seen like Their favorites, even, yeah. even shorter odds than that yeah. in the last few days since I wrote all these odds down. But definitely a good a good pick. Um, and we'll wrap it up with some betting talk. Could you quickly just describe to everybody what the golden boot and golden ball are? And if you have people you like for that or any just like 
team futures or whatever that you like, just give me what you got yeah. and I'm going to follow it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. Um, well, I got golden boot and that's the top score of the tournament. And, you know, ideally you want to pick someone that you think is going to be in the tournament for a while. And, and, you know, a PK, a penalty taker definitely helps because, you know, hopefully they can chip in one or two from the penalty spot uh, to add, add to their tally. Um, I've gone back and forth on this quite a bit and continuing on with the trend of all South Americans. I'm going my three predictions for the golden boot are Neymar, Messi. These are all, you know, up there favorites for, you know, good reason. I go Neymar, Messi, Lataro Martinez, who is a uh, Messi's teammate at Argentina. He was their top goal scorer in qualifying. Um, he was enjoying a good season right now. And then I also, I like Darwin Nunez for Uruguay at some longer odds, which could really win you some money. You know, if Uruguay goes on a run, um, I think Darwin Nunez will definitely uh, be one of their, their key players for sure. I also, just to throw it out there, I also like Memphis Depay of Netherlands, Benzema, who's, you know, coming off the Ballon d'Or season. And then Vinicius Jr., who is Neymar's teammate at Brazil, who's having a great cl uh, club season so far. Um, so those are kind of my picks for the Golden Boot. I didn't do any Golden Ball, but Golden Ball is basically player of the tournament. Um, Luka Modric won that last year or last tournament with Croatia because uh, he was just incredible and led him all the way there. Um, yeah, I – I don't know. I can't really, I can't, I don't have any golden ball predictions. So I, I won't throw any names out there, but yeah, those are kind of my picks um, for the you know, very South American heavy. So it could, could fall on my face real quick, but we'll see. If I may with the golden ball and I'm just completely regurgitating this from other podcasts that I listened to this week, but I think Messi is the favorite or like tied mm -hmm. as the best odds to win it at plus 550, which is like right around the same odds that you can get Argentina to win the tournament. But I was really intrigued by that because with this possibly being his last one, we expect them to make a deep run. They don't even have to win the whole thing. And that feels like a yeah. bit of a safer bet to cash than Argentina winning the whole tournament because if they just make it to the semifinals and he's had a really good outing like I was texting you guys like there might be kind of a nostalgic just the fact mm -hmm. that he's one of if not the most popular players in the world um, that tend to you know people might think it's his last, yeah. his last chance so I think I'm going to put a couple nuggets on that one at plus 550 uh, just, like just because they just need to make a deep run not necessarily win the whole thing so I was intrigued by that one but I don't know much so it's probably no, a, I, I agree <laughs> yeah no I, I agree there's definitely like a sentimental factor with Messi and um, you know his quest to win a World Cup finally um, so yeah I agree they don't have to go on and win it all but like if he makes the semifinals or you know, as a great group stage, gets him to the quarters or whatever, um, you know, you never know. He might uh, – it's kind of like the Heisman sometimes. He, it doesn't feel like the best player of the year really won it. It's kind of like they're looking for a story sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I could, see, I could see that, yeah. All right. Anything else you got or just golden, yeah. uh, golden boot in Brazil? Um, so I got a few, just like I think four um, – Fun bets, I guess. Try and make some money. Um, all plus money at some some decent odds. So uh, don't kill me if they don't hit. But I say we hammer USA to make the quarterfinals. Go on a run. Get out of the group. Um, you know, it's kind of tough because we would get we would get Group A, which has Senegal and Netherlands. Um, you know, those are projected to top and first and second. So we would get one of those. If we finish second in the group, which we are um, expected to, we would get Netherlands in the round of 16, which is obviously a very tough opponent. Um, it would be, you know, a dream to top them and get into the quarters. But I think we got to We'll do it for the squad. The yeah, we'll exactly. It. You got to do it. <laughs> a little uh, patriotism, if you will. Um, and then I like uh, You have the Denmark. odds for that? Yeah, yeah. Um, these are off Caesars Sportsbook, so they might be different wherever you guys are looking. But USA to make the quarterfinals at plus four fifty. Um, so good return, obviously. Yeah, that bucks. would be. Yeah, that would be a 
great, great tournament for the U.S. Um, and then I like Denmark to win the group. Yes, they're in the group with France. Um, so definitely tough. But yeah, Denmark to win the group, group at uh, plus 250. So some good return there. And I think you said earlier you might as well throw some money on France to finish second because there's a there's a better return on that. So, you know, either way, take your take your pick with that one. Um, I really like Japan to qualify from their group at plus 333. Um, they're also in another tough group with Germany and uh, Spain, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, I just really like this Japan team. Very solid. They have a bunch of players that play in uh, the German Bundesliga. Strong defense. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see them get out. I don't have them winning the group, just Japan, Japan to qualify from the group at plus 333. And then the last one I have is Dark Horse for uh, the tournament, Uruguay to win the group at plus 188. Um, just a really solid team with some key players all over the field. Um, back to front, very strong, especially in the front line. Like I said, with Suarez, Cavani, and uh, Darwin Nunes, and then Valverde, who midfielder, winger, for Real Madrid, just playing lights out right now. I uh, I really do like Uruguay to make a run in this. So, yeah, Uruguay to win the group at plus 188. All right, there you have it. And also, Jackson is hosting a bracket group with a $20 buy-in. So I will put that on Twitter and Instagram. And if anybody wants to join that, then just shoot me a message and I will get everybody set up but we have to have that in so the first game is qatar versus who ecuador ecuador yeah uh sunday at 10 o'clock central sunday morning so you have to have your brackets set by then by the first game or else it'll lock up on you so if anybody wants to do that text me on Saturday, however many people are going to listen to this on a Saturday, I guess we'll see, but we'll try to get a few more in there. So thank yeah, you, my brother, for, sure. for coming on and helping us out with some soccer knowledge. I hope this gave everybody some good insight, got everybody a little bit more fired up and uh, let's win a few bets and get the USA at least through the group stage. And who knows, maybe our young, dumb squad can can make a little bit of noise in, in Qatar. Yes, sir. I appreciate you uh, you having me on. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to talk about the world's greatest sporting event anytime. It's a shame it's been eight years for the U.S., but uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, young, dumb is a good way to put the, describe the U.S. team, and hopefully we can make a run. And uh, we'll see, I guess. It'll be a fun month. So thank you, man. All right. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. Bye. Yes, sir.